So um, Donna, I actually, I was like trying to get your attention when we were going live. You had a question for Chef Katie that I think um, I'd like to hear the answer to. And I think some other people might enjoy too. It's about tonight's, was it about the spice blend for tonight? Oh, Donna, you can unmute if you want. Oh, yeah, let me, uh, no, we were talking about, she was talking, uh, Chef Katie was talking about how the blend can last for a while in the container. Is that is now, is that in the refrigerator? Nope, that's just in your spice cabinet or, you know, in your pantry, you can keep that. Most spices are good for about six months or up to a year. If you have a lot of old spices in your cabinet, every year or so you do want to go through those because they lose a bit of their um, flavor and strength. Yeah. Okay. Um, but yeah, as long as the spices that you use aren't super old, I know you said that you just bought a bunch of new ones. Those will be good for six months to a year. So even blended together, those will be good. Um, right. And like I said, that's my go-to sort of chicken spice blend. Um, but I use it on fish. You could use it on potatoes. Donna had asked if you could use it in a um, kind of like a crab boil, right? Low absolutely. country boil. Yes, yes. It would be absolutely delicious in that. What is what is a low country boil? Oh, it's, you have pork, you have corn, potatoes, shrimp, what else? You could do clams in there. Some yeah. people throw lobsters in there as well. It's usually um, sausage that's thrown in there, like an andouille sausage um, or a chorizo, even something with a little spice to it. And you throw it all in a big, big boiling pot, add some water to it, boil it up. And then they usually serve it on a table with a bunch of paper um, newspapers, news newspapers. <laughs> yeah. And they dump it all onto the table and everybody kind of gets their hands dirty. And usually they live, leave the peel on the shrimp. So you're peeling your shrimp, you're cracking your crab and it's a good time. It's a party. Oh, good, and awesome. good, good beer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I've never heard that phrase before. I love it. Well, you know what? It's um, it's eight oh two. So let's get everything rolling. Welcome everybody. It's Trans Tuesday, my favorite night of the week. Um, I would love to give a big shout out to our March sponsor of the month, Chef Katie. Thank you, Chef Katie, who is hosting us tonight. And we have some fantastic club members joining us this evening. This is one of the perks of being a club member: is getting to join us in the Zoom to interact with our special guests. We have Georgette, Donna, Maggie, Rami Sargon, Catherine Ann Voss, and Erica Fremont. And for Catherine and Rami, this is Wednesday. So they are us <laughs> in the future. <laughs> um, Chef Katie, so excited to have you. So a little on Katie's background. As I've been um, saying all month, she is a tr classically trained chef. Uh, she's from the Institute, uh, Culinary Institute in New York City, and then she left the Big Apple to go be a private chef for an elite upstate New York family, and now she offers her skills as a culinary educator online, teaching individuals and parties of up to 10 people how to cook over Zoom, just like tonight. Uh, so her lessons help people create healthy dishes while balancing impossible schedules and incorporates a sophisticated range of techniques from like advanced knife skills to making your own fresh pasta. 
I, for one, am really looking forward to the nice deals we're going to get tonight. Um, all of her contact information is on our website, myfeminineheart.com. You can also find her at caitlinhiggins.com. Chef Katie, um, I'm going to let you just take it away. We have a whole cooking lesson tonight. I'm going to focus on you. If anybody has any questions about what we're cooking, I'm going to let Chef Katie take those. I will pop in if we have any. Uh, we've got Diane Crow watching us. Susan Holt says hello. So, so excited for tonight. Katie, thank you so much. What is on the menu? Alrighty, guys. So tonight we are doing my all-time favorite Greek spice chicken breast with a cucumber dill tzatziki and lemon oregano smashed potatoes. Okay, so we have a delicious menu. There's some really awesome fundamental techniques in tonight's lesson. All right, guys. Um, and I'm also going to teach you some fundamentals of knife skills as well. But to keep us on track for completion, anybody that's cooking along with us tonight, um, we want to start out with our potatoes. Then I'll go into knife skills really quick, okay? Because I want to make sure we have enough time to get our potatoes done. So I got a little bag of these little mini Yukon Gold potatoes. Sometimes you can get little red new potatoes. What we're gonna do is parboil these, okay? And then we're gonna smash them and finish them in the oven by roasting them and they're gonna get really nice and crispy, okay? So I've got a few of these mini Yukon Golds here and I'm gonna get my sauce pot with water. Do you have that, Cass? Do you have your pot ready to go with water? I do, it's already steaming. And I was just remembering, um, we're supposed to have the oven go uh, going too, right? What's the yes. tip for the oven? oven at 400 degrees preheated. So that's waiting for us for our potatoes to be ready to go, okay? So what I've done, guys, is I've put my potatoes in a sauce pot with some cold water, okay? We like cold water instead of hot so that they cook nice and evenly. And I'm gonna, you just want these covered by about an inch worth of water. And I'm gonna get on this onto my stovetop over a medium high heat and get these up to a boil, okay? And then we want those to cook to what we call fork tender. That means if you insert a paring knife or a fork, you want your fork to be able to pierce it without making it fall apart, right? Because we want these to still have a little bit of body to them or texture to them. So when we smash them with the bottom of a drinking glass, they won't completely disintegrate, right? We want them to hold up a little bit. Now, if your potatoes do end up mashing into one big piece, they're still gonna be delicious. They're gonna get extra crispy, no mistakes in the kitchen, right? Just a delicious, change of plans. Okay. I was just going to say, I'm going to be your example tonight of everything done wrong because I have medium-sized red potatoes and my water's already boiling. So okay. I'll represent the people who didn't properly follow the direction. <laughs> you over-prepared. You over-prepared. It's totally fine. Okay. So before we dive into anything else, I'm going to do a quick knife skills lesson. All right. I have here my chef's knife. This is our queen in the kitchen. This is a chef's best friend besides two clean hands, okay? So this is a 10 inch chef knife. This is quite large. The size I would recommend for beginners would be an eight inch chef knife, right? But they usually come um, eight, 10, and even 12 inches. 
Now the proper way, this is gonna be your workhorse in the kitchen. This is the knife we're gonna use for most, um, most tasks that we do, okay? If you were gonna have three knives, top three knives to have in the kitchen, number one, chef's knife, number two, a serrated knife, and number three would be a paring knife, which would be a smaller one for more detailed work, okay? Now the proper way to hold your chef's knife is to pinch the blade with your pointer finger and your thumb, and then grip the handle with your other three fingers, okay? Common wrong ways to hold the knife is to grip it back here, right? Just by the handle itself, or you've got the grip right, but then the finger comes out, okay? We don't wanna have the finger come out on the blade. There's a few reasons why we don't wanna do this. Number one, there's a tendon that runs all the way up your finger into your forearm. And if you were to cook quite a bit, you could injure yourself, okay? Number two is it feels more stable, but it's not. You have more control and therefore precision and consistency when you hold the blade with your pointer finger and your thumb on the blade itself. The other three fingers get gripped around, okay? Now my hand that doesn't have the knife in it should be in the shape of a claw. Your fingers are out like this when you're using your knife. They're very vulnerable, right? We wanna tuck those fingers under, make a little spider or a little claw here and protect those fingertips. As you get more comfortable using your knife, you can actually use this center knuckle as your guide and you can kind of keep that knife glued to that but that will take some practice right so the big thing is you want to grip your knife properly and your non-dominant hand should be in the shape of a claw protecting your fingertips okay now we always when we're using our knife want to push the knife away from ourselves you never want to actively draw the knife towards your body okay so we wanna use the curvature of the blade to do the hard work for us. You should never be like muscling through or really pushing your knife through anything. If you've got the proper grip on your knife and the proper motion, then you should most easily get through most items, okay? So we're gonna enter the food from the first third of our knife, right? We're gonna push our knife down and away. Okay, you rock up on that curvature, you draw your knife back, push down and away. Okay, and you really wanna get into the rhythm of it. And this motion right here is what takes the most practice and getting used to. But everything with knife skills is practice, practice, practice. The more you do it, the better you will get. Now, we always wanna follow through the full length of our blade, no matter what we're cutting. Has anyone ever cut through like a chive or a scallion or even a bell pepper? And you get to the end, you're like, oh, I'm good, I did that great. And then you hold it up and it's still connected. That's because you're not following through, right? So even if I just have a little chive underneath my blade here, I'm gonna follow through the full length of my blade every single time. And you also wanna make sure that you're never pushing the food underneath the knife, that your knife is moving along the item, okay? If I've got a carrot, I don't keep my knife here and push the carrot underneath it. That can be very dangerous. So you wanna move your body and your knife along the item 
you can always pick everything up and move back over to where you started if you need to, okay? Um, other big thing, whenever we're cutting, you're always looking to create flat surfaces. So if you're cutting an onion or a potato, you're gonna look at your item and say, what's my first cut that I can make to create a flat surface so that your item is stable and not rolling around on the board, okay? Most accidents happen when things slip away. So your first cut is always to make a flat, stable surface. Okay, does anybody have any questions on how to hold the chef's knife? I know that can be a little awkward. It doesn't feel super natural at first. If you get a little pain at the base of your pointer finger after you've been using your knife for a while, that's a good sign. That means that you're holding it properly. You will get used to it. Okay, Donna, did you have a question? Yes, I do. Um... Does your grip change with the length of the knife or because of the way they're designed? It's always the same. Always the same. Okay. Always the same. Even when I'm using a small paring knife, I've got like a really close up grip on that blade for control. Okay. All right, great. So we've got our potatoes on the stove. Okay, we did our intro to knife skills. Um, now I am going to do my first step on my tzatziki because we need to salt our cucumber. Okay, I have an English cucumber here. I'm a big fan of these because they don't have a lot of seeds inside. Okay, cucumbers contain a lot of water. And when we're making our tzatziki, which is a um, yogurt-based sauce, we don't want the water content from the cucumber to kind of liquefy and pool up on the top of our sauce, okay? So I'm gonna start when with my cucumber and salt this. Salt draws out moisture and flavor, okay? Salt is an essential part of cooking. So we're going to use the salt to draw out the moisture from our cucumber and we're gonna squeeze as much out of it as we can so that we don't get that excess moisture in our tzatziki. Okay, you with me, Cass? Yep, I'm here, I'm ready. Okay, cool. All right, so I'm going to have my cucumber, okay? Set that to the side. I've got a strainer here over a bowl. So I'm gonna place my grated cucumber into the strainer. We're then gonna salt the cucumber and then place it over this bowl. That way all the moisture from the cucumber will drip out into the bowl below, okay? And we'll just be left with the perfectly seasoned cucumber. All right, so I've got a box grater here. I'm gonna be using the large side of the grater, skin on for my English cucumber um, because it's nice and thin. If you were using a regular cucumber, you could peel some or all of the skin off if you'd like. But I find it adds a really nice color to the tzatziki to see that sort of darker green in there. So I'm just I was, really, oh, I was wondering what we were using the grater for. I was afraid we were making like hash browned potatoes. Uh, <laughs> you, you I, well, you know, they're too watery. You can't really make a hash brown out of a cucumber, but this would be the same way that we would do a hash brown, right? 
So I'm gonna break this cucumber. And if all the skin kind of separates a little bit like this big piece I've got here, that's absolutely fine. Uh, Chef Katie, we have a question from Catherine Ann Voss. She is wondering about cholesterol with this meal. Catherine, do you wanna ask your question? Yeah, I, uh, I just want to know with this uh, recipe going along with somebody like me, where I am on meds for cholesterol to keep it from spiking. I had uh, on my last blood test, it uh, creeped up slightly. So I was told to uh, watch my diet. So I just want to know where does the, where do we pull the difference between uh, people with no cholesterol issues and somebody like me that's got a cholesterol problem so that we don't eat something that pushes up cholesterol levels. Absolutely. So our protein is a nice lean protein. We're using chicken here, right? So in terms of animal fats, we're in the best shape we could be for a lean protein. So we're good there. Um, we're also going to be cooking with olive oil. Um, which is the healthiest option when in terms of cooking with fats, right? We're not cooking here with butter, so you're safe there. Um, I am going to use a little bit of grapeseed oil for searing the chicken since I'm on a high heat, but you could forego that as well and stick with the olive oil. Um, we've got Greek yogurt going on here. I'm not honestly completely sure on the if that's a high cholesterol level on the Greek yogurt, but you could maybe do um, a non-fat version of the yogurt as well. But other than that, I think we're safe on the protein. We're using olive oil, and um, there's just a little bit of Greek yogurt. So I think you know I'm not a nutritionist, but I think we're in a pretty good shape on this meal in terms of cholesterol. So I'm using uh, extra virgin olive oil in, in all my dishes that I'm like, I, I live by myself and my little Rosie. So that would be safe to use then. Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you. Great Donna? question, Catherine, thank you. Oh, you think you're muted, Donna. Chef Catherine. Do you, uh, Chef Katie, do you have a favorite olive oil you like to use? Um, I love the California Olive Ranch brand. I know they sell it in most supermarkets and I'll show it to you in one moment. Um, it's relatively well-priced. It's um, not too strong or tangy of a flavor. So when you're using it in cooking, it's it's a great cooking olive oil, right? It's not something that you would eat with bread necessarily, but it's a really great cooking olive oil. This is the brand. Comes from California. They have an organic oh, version. Yeah. They have an organic version of it as well. Um, and I just find that it's a perfect amount of flavor without being overpowering. Alrighty, so I've got my cucumber in my strainer over top of this bowl, right? I told you, salt does two things. It draws out moisture and it draws out flavor. So I'm putting about a teaspoon of salt onto this cucumber here. 
And I'm just gonna mix that around to make sure that the majority of the cucumber comes in contact with the salt. And the salt is gonna draw out the moisture from this cucumber. And you'll see it pool up in the bowl below. It's very important that you've got a bowl under there to catch the liquid. And then we'll literally squeeze the rest of the liquid out. So we're gonna let this sit to the side, right? And strain out that moisture. And then we'll come back to that later to finish off our tzatziki, okay? Alrighty. Now we're, oh, I'm gonna check my potatoes. Cass, since your, your water was already boiling, keep an eye on those potatoes, all right? Check my potatoes real quick. You got it, and I have to say, oh, yeah, go ahead. This was a this was amazing. I already had water like coming into the cucumber bowl before I even added salt. I never thought to do that. That was so cool. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, it makes a huge difference. Otherwise, you'll make the tzatziki, and as you're sitting there, you'll see the water start to come to the top of it. Um, and you know, you still might get some moisture, but um, but it won't be as bad. Okay, it'll be doable. Now, for the rest of our ingredients for our tzatziki, okay, we've got some fresh dill, we've got some lemon juice, and we're gonna use the zest of the lemon if you have um, a small side of your grater available or a microplane. Okay, guys, this is a tool that I love. Um, it's a, it looks like a very fine cheese grater and you use this to get the pit off of, to get the zest off of the lemon, okay? That's the yellow part or the green part of a lime. Now, right below the, uh, the yellow part is the white part, and that's called the pit, and that can be very bitter, right? So whenever we're zesting anything, we wanna make sure we're just getting the yellow or the green or the orange off of an orange. You don't want to zest down too far and start to go into that white part, okay? Um, so I like to uh, scrape the citrus down and then twist. Scrape and twist, okay? And I'll show you that a little bit closer up. There's a few ways to do this. Now you do want to protect your knuckles from sliding onto this microplane. So if you want, you can hold the citrus and then put the microplane upside down and kind of brush it along the lemon that way. I'm gonna want, I like my tzatziki nice and lemony and bright. So I'm gonna want about the zest from half of this lemon, right? So I can do it like this, kind of rub the microplane on the lemon itself, or I can scrape and twist the lemon but we don't wanna to go too far down into that white part underneath. And a lot of the lemon flavor is held in the zest, okay? The oils are in there and it just smells amazing and it gives it a very, very lemony flavor, more intensely almost than the lemon itself, the lemon juice. Chef okay? Katie, I, I have a question for you. Go ahead. Um, the only, the best way I know to clean vegetables in my kitchen is I use a mixture of like just distilled white vinegar and water. And I've yeah. often wondered, like when you're doing this, like if there's stuff in the peel, you're definitely getting it like pesticides or whatever in your food. Is there a better way to clean the lemon? Um, that's exactly what I do. Equal parts distilled vinegar and water. 
and I usually take everything home. I, I don't know, I food shop on Saturdays and I meal prep on Sundays. So I take everything and I make that big water vinegar mixture and kind of bring home all my produce and dump it into a big bucket with that plastic container with that mixture in it and then dry everything off, right? I wash all of my herbs um, and then wrap those up and put them in the fridge so everything's ready and accessible to go. But yes, I find that's the best way to clean items. Wow. Do you teach lessons in cooking efficiency and meal prep efficiency too? Yep. 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 And I even um, work with people on weekly meal plans as well. And what, what prep to do on what days and what days you use those ingredients throughout the week. Absolutely. Meal prep is an art form mm -hmm. um, and it does take a little bit of work. But Thursday you will be so happy with the previous Sunday you when you do it because it just makes your, your week so much easier. And like I've got the little ones at home, so it's a must for me. Otherwise, dinner just doesn't make it to the table. You know, <laughs> I got to be ready to go in 20 to 40 minutes. Otherwise, otherwise it, it doesn't get done. Alrighty, guys. So now I'm going to cut my lemon in half. Okay. And I'm going to use half of this lemon for my tzatziki. And then guys, cooking and seasoning at home, you taste as you go, right? So I'm gonna put half of my lemon juice in here, half of my lemon zest in here. And then we'll go from there, right? We taste, we season, we adjust. Oh, and guys, this is a handy dandy. Um, lemon juicer. If anybody uses a lot of citrus or makes a lot of margaritas, I highly suggest these. You put the lemon or the lime in cut side down and you squeeze down and the amount of juice that it yields versus squeezing it by hand is awesome. I am just so proud that I literally have some of the same tools that you do. Yeah, nice. But no, nothing compared with knives. My knives could barely cut butter. Um, I was never a big gadget person because I lived in a uh, 300 square foot apartment in Manhattan for 10 years. Um, so everything had to have double duty. So the, the gadgets I do have, you know that they're good. All right, so now I'm gonna add my um, Greek yogurt, just plain Greek yogurt here into my lemon juice and my lemon zest. And I'm going to get that incorporated. Now we have a choice here, Cass. Do you want to go fresh garlic or do you want to go garlic powder? Um, I'll let the, the team decide. Hold on, let's see. Thumbs up for fresh garlic, thumbs down for garlic powder. What do y'all think? All right, they want fresh garlic. All righty, so we're going to use that microplane again, okay? This is great for zesting. It's also great if like you're grating Parmesan cheese for really fine grated Parmesan cheese over pasta or grating garlic and grating fresh ginger, okay? Whenever you're using raw garlic in a preparation like a salad dressing or like here, like a tzatziki where it's not going to actually be cooked, I want it mince as fine as possible. That way you don't bite into the piece of garlic because that can be a little spicy almost at times, right? So we don't want to bite into that per se. 
So I'm gonna use my microplane to grate the garlic so it's really, really fine, okay? Now, if I was mincing my garlic, what I would do is I would take my knife with the sharp portion of the blade facing away from me, put it over top of the garlic clove, and with the palm of my hand, smash it, okay? That does two things. It makes it super easy to peel, and it gives you a head start on your mince because we're already kind of, you know, broken up here. And then you would run your knife through it and mince this up. Okay, but I want this as fine as possible. So I'm going to peel a clove of garlic without smashing it. So I just remove one side, kind of peel off as much as you can, do the same thing to the other side. And I wanna keep this whole, okay? And then I'm gonna take my microplane and just grate my fresh ginger on there and then it's like a little puree almost, right? So we don't have any chunks of garlic. You're not going to bite into raw garlic. It's just going to seamlessly kind of melt into that tzatziki, okay? And again, use as much or as little as you like to taste. You can also use garlic powder here if you don't want a very strong overpowering garlic flavor, okay? Um, also guys, whenever I see raw garlic like this, huge trick with raw garlic. If you're ever toasting up bread or a roll to put, to make a sandwich, if you toast bread and just rub a little raw garlic on the top, like you take the clove, cut it in half, rub it on top of the toasted bread, the warm bread just melts a little bit of that garlic flavor onto the roll and it just takes everything to the next level, okay? Take it up a notch. Um, I, rub raw, I rub garlic on every piece of toasted bread ever, even on like the um, outside of a grilled cheese sandwich, rub a little raw garlic on there. Ooh, so good, so good. All right, so next up in our tzatziki is our fresh dill, right? This is fresh dill. You can actually cut this with a scissor if you wanted, like your kitchen shears. You could cut that right up, but I'm gonna sort of gather up my fresh dill, and run my knife through this, protect those fingertips, and then you can take this down to as fine as you like. Whenever I'm mincing something up, a good technique is you put the tip of your blade down on the board. You secure it with two fingers. I'm not pressing down. I'm just kind of securing the knife in place. And then you just rock up and down, back and forth through your herbs or your garlic, whatever you're trying to mince up there, okay? And now my dill goes into that yogurt lemon garlic mixture. All right, and this is our tzatziki. And the way we're gonna finish this off is with that cucumber after that sits and we drain out some more of that moisture. I'm just going to hit this with a little bit of fresh ground black pepper and kosher salt, all right? You always wanna cook with kosher salt in the kitchen. It has half of the actual amount of sodium that regular table salt or iodinized salt has, 
Okay, it's the perfect salinity to cook with. It's perfect. Now, chef pinch is usually three fingers and your thumb. So I'm gonna give a nice chef's pinch of salt. And I'm gonna leave it there because we've added some salt to our cucumber. So we don't wanna over salt it, right? So we're salt our yogurt mixture. Then we'll add that cucumber in and we'll give it a taste. And we'll see if we need more lemon. Do we need more pepper? How's it tasting? Okay, so that's gonna sit to the side until our cucumber is ready to be strained and added to our mixture. How are your potatoes doing, Cass? They are cooked and I have them off the heat. Should I take them out of the water? Um, yes, you can take them out of the water and bring them over to your station. I'm going to do the same with mine right now. I love these little Yukon Golds. So guys, another little tip about potatoes. If you're ever making mashed potatoes and you boil your potatoes on the stove and you wanna get them really nice and dry, you can put them back into the pot that they, after you strain them out, you can put them back into the pot that they were in and kind of steam off any excess heat, okay? So I've got my new potatoes. I'm gonna put those out onto a sheet tray. Okay, and they're, they're really hot, so you wanna be careful, all right? We've got my potatoes on the sheet tray here, and what I'm going to do is give them a little drizzle. Now you can use olive oil, or um, I have a lemon-flavored oil here. You can also use olive oil and um, a little lemon juice as well to flavor these, okay? So I'm gonna do a little bit of olive oil and a little bit of dried oregano, okay? If you have fresh oregano, that worked perfect here as well. Oregano is commonly found in Greek seasoning. I'm gonna do some pepper and a nice chef's pinch of salt. Okay, potatoes can take a lot of seasoning. And this is the other good reason to cook at home, right? I'm also just gonna take, I've got an extra clove of garlic here, smash that, throw that onto the pan as well for some flavor, okay? So I'm gonna toss the potatoes around in the oil. And I'm gonna add a little bit more oil in a moment too, because the oil is gonna help these brown up and get nice and crispy in the oven, okay? We've got a hot oven going, 400 degrees. These are gonna brown up beautifully. Oh, already they smell so good. 
All right, so I'm just going to use a plain glass drinking glass. My potatoes are fork tender, right? So you can see knife goes in smoothly, but it doesn't crumble, doesn't disintegrate when I do that. So I'm just gonna gently take my glass over my potato and press down. Now I'm not pressing down so it's completely demolished. It's keep, somewhat keeping the round shape, but I'm just flattening it slightly, right? I'm not applying too much pressure. Those little crispy edge, those little edges are gonna get nice and crisp, right? So I'm just pressing down. Pressing down. Making sure they have enough space in between each other. We don't, we want a nice single layer of potatoes here. Press those down. And again, if your potato isn't cooked enough, it's gonna be difficult to press these down. And if they're cooked a little too much, then it'll be hard for them to keep this sort of shape that I'm achieving here. And then you might just have like a whole tray of smashed potatoes. But you know what? Like I said, that's delicious, right? They're gonna get super nice and crispy. It's gonna be perfect. So no matter what, they'll still turn out okay, right? Roasted potatoes, there's not much better than that. And I'm sorry, Katie, did you already put lemon on? Did yes, I, I used um, lemon oil, but you could absolutely drizzle just some fresh lemon juice with the olive oil. And I sprinkled some oregano and some salt and pepper as well. Now, like I said, the olive oil is what's gonna help us get a nice crispiness here. So I'm just gonna make sure each potato gets a little bit more love of oil here. Guys, whenever we're cooking, you always wanna check and make sure that our pan doesn't need a little bit more oil, right? When we're cooking our chicken, if the pan looks dry, then we can season that up or add a little bit more oil as we go, right? So these are little things that take some experience in getting used to. But once you get the hang of it, it all makes a lot more sense. I'm gonna go in with a little bit more sauce. A little bit more pepper on each. And then he's, this, al oh, he's already tastes amazing. Oh my goodness. Right, right. All right, so I'm gonna go into my 400 degree oven now in the middle rack, okay? Okay. Um, I'll show everybody the <laughs> um, less than perfect version. I do everything on stones and these are my smushed red potatoes and they taste really good. I've never put lemon on potato before. I just kind of want to eat them already. Oh, I kind of so am. good, right? And yeah, I keep walking off like camera to like eat wedges a with lemon juice on top. Amazing. Wait, so you cook on stones? Yeah, I do almost anything that I roast or bake, I do on stone. Nice. Is that okay? Yeah, love it. 
Yeah, I it love doesn't... my pizza stone. I love my pizza stone. No, we live with it. We live on it because then I'm never scraping pots and pans. Um, my husband insisted on using cookie sheets for years. And finally, one day I said, you can use a stone or you can wash your own cookie sheets, but I'm not washing the sheets for anymore. Now we're an all stone household. Nice. Love it. All right. So we can go ahead, Donna. I said parchment paper. Yes. Right? Yeah. That that's great way to cook and you don't get you don't mess up pans or cookie sheets. Now, uh, Cass, how thick are your chicken cutlets? Should we start the chicken cutlets first or you should we finish our tzatziki first? Tzatziki. Oh, oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine are pretty small and thin. Perfect. All right, let's finish off our tzatziki and then we'll move on to the chicken. All right, so you guys will see here how much liquid has accumulated off of that cucumber. Okay, that's quite a bit. Um, oh, also for making cocktails, if anybody makes cucumber cocktails, this is like you can use this cucumber juice. It's all flavor. Um, you could also use it in a smoothie if you wanted to not waste that as well. Um, but we don't want it in our tzatziki, okay? So I'm going to take my cucumber and I'm literally going to squeeze it in between my hands and you'll see a lot more liquid comes out. Okay, and we don't want to leave this to sit like for hours and hours or overnight. The longer isn't better. We just want that salt to sit on there for a few minutes. Otherwise, it'll really kind of disintegrate and you won't have much left. Okay, we still want there to be life in this cucumber for us. So I'm just squeezing it out, smaller handfuls. And then once it's squeezed out, you can add that to your um greek yogurt mixture okay and you still might have a little you know if this tzatziki sits overnight in your fridge um you still might have some moisture come to the top but then you just stir that in and it'll be in good shape we just got to get the majority of the liquid out from this cucumber and i find that half for me anyway i like it cucumbery I find that half of an English cucumber with one of these containers of yogurt is the perfect ratio of cucumber to yogurt, in my opinion, but I like it cucumbery. Okay, so I'm gonna take that cucumber and mix that into my yogurt. And then we're gonna wanna give this a taste, right? Because we don't wanna automatically season again because we did add about a teaspoon of salt to that cucumber. Now, a lot of that salt drained out and went into the liquid of that cucumber, but we don't wanna make any assumptions. We wanna taste as we go. So now guys, this is what I love cooking about cooking at home, right? You make it how you like it. So you maybe you make a recipe the first time yourself and you adjust from there. So if you're like, oh, that was like cucumber heavy for me, maybe I'd like it a little less cucumbery, take it to a quarter of a cucumber and go from there, okay? You have full control when you're cooking for yourself at home. So this is our finalized tzatziki here. 
I'm going to take a taste. I always have tasting spoons, multiple ones next to me so I can taste a take a taste, throw that in the sink. If you want to take, you know, adjust your seasoning, use a fresh spoon. Mm. It's good. It's cucumbery. It's citrusy. I like it really fresh and citrusy. And it's seasoned perfectly. Okay, absolutely perfect. All right, so my tzatziki is gonna sit on the side and wait for me. All right, next up is our chicken, okay? Um, Chef Katie, I have a random question from Diane, one of our club members. Why do you have a red zip tie on your knife? Oh, this is to um, know that it's my knife. It's actually orange, orange is my color. Um, at work or different places, knives get mixed up, right? Chefs normally come with their own knives. So if someone else possibly has the same brand of knife as me, I know mine's the one with the orange zip tie, right? My chef's knife is my baby. Um, so I wanna make sure there's no confusion. She doesn't get lost anywhere, lost at my mom or my sister's kitchen or anywhere else. <laughs> Awesome question, Diane. I never would have guessed that. I figured it was like, so you knew your hand, your finger placement or something. Yeah. And, you know, everyone always wants the sharpest knife at the holidays and is saying, can you bring over your knife or, you know, things like that. So it's just kind of a way to track it and know that it's mine. All righty. So whenever we are working with proteins, we want to make sure that they're at room temperature. Okay, so that's so that it cooks nice and evenly. So the core of the chicken isn't frozen or beef, whatever you're cooking isn't still frozen or too cold. Um, also, if you're following a recipe, it will then go closer to that cook time that you've been told, right? If you've got like really cold, almost frozen chicken in the center, you're gonna need more time than the recipe calls for. All right, so we want it to be at room temperature. Now, whenever we're cooking poultry, we wanna cook it to 165 degrees. That's the internal temperature we want the chicken to get through, get to, get to so that it's cooked all the way through and we don't have a chance of any foodborne illness or salmonella, things of that nature, okay? But we need to account for carryover cooking. Um, if you've ever made scrambled eggs, you'll realize that they like cook a lot after you've taken them off the heat. That's carryover cooking. So whenever I'm cooking poultry, I want to get it to about 160 degrees, take it off the heat, and then it'll continue to cook at least another five degrees. This goes for steaks. This goes for anything you're cooking. Okay, it will continue to cook from anywhere from five to 10 degrees further from the temperature it is when you remove it from the heat, okay? Now, my chicken breasts are nice and thin as well, so I'm gonna be able to cook them all the way through in the saute pan. But if you had a thicker piece of chicken and you wanted to sear the outside, you might need to pop it into an oven to finish cooking it all the way through to that 160, 165, okay? Um, 400-degree oven is always good to have ready to go just in case to finish things off. I am a huge fan of kitchen thermometers, okay? Huge fan. They sell these. It's a digital thermometer. It's got a big wire connected to it. 
you put this into the thickest part of your meat and you can set a timer. So if you wanted your roasted chicken to come to 160 degrees or you wanted your steak to come to 125 degrees, this will actually set off an alarm when the meat reaches that temperature. So then you just pull it out to the pull it out of the oven, you know, give it time to rest for carryover cooking and you'll never overcook or undercook a piece of meat again, okay? These are great, um, especially if you're doing things like fried chicken and you wanna make sure your chicken's cooked all the way through. I'm a huge fan of these for cooking at home, okay? You also don't have to open up the oven a million times and decrease the temperature of your oven. Things take longer to cook. All right, so sorry, I'm on a tangent about meat thermometers. Okay. No, that's amazing. Can you send me a link for that and I'll share it like in our comments later? Absolutely. Absolutely. Can, and can you use that in an air fryer? Um, I would imagine yes. I mean, I just got my new oven and it air fries. And air frying is typically at a lower temperature. I would say absolutely. Yeah. Um oh, Sarah Shore says, I love the term carryover cooking. Had not heard that before. Yeah. Very cool. Yes. Um, okay, so we've got our chicken, right? We want it to be room temperature. Now, before I told you guys that salt draws out moisture, right? Salt draw out all that water from the cucumber. We wanna sear our chicken in the pan, which means to get like a nice brown exterior to it, which gives us nice texture and also flavor, right? Because when food turns brown, the sugars in it are caramelizing and that's, adding depth of flavor. So we're always looking for layers of flavor here. So few things, my meat's gonna be room temperature and I'm not gonna salt it until right before I put it in the pan, okay? Because if I salt it and let it sit, the salt's gonna draw out the moisture. And then when we put the chicken into the hot pan, it's just gonna steam. It's not gonna brown and caramelize, okay? So I have a cast iron pan here. This one is actually enameled, so it's coated, so we don't have to worry about not using soap and things like that, like a regular cast iron skillet. It gets really hot and it holds heat really nice and evenly. So Cass, we're gonna preheat our pan so that it's nice and warm. So we're preheating our saute pan for medium high heat. All right, so whenever we're searing, we wanna make sure our pan is nice and hot, okay? That way, when the pan, when we put our protein in, we're just gonna place it into the pan and let it sit and not touch it, okay? That way, the chicken makes contact with the pan and it has the opportunity to caramelize and get nice and golden brown, okay? GBD, golden brown delicious. Brown food tastes good. Okay, this is not a stir fry. We're searing our chicken here, okay? So you wanna strategically place your chicken into the pan so there's room to fit everything without having to move it around so that we get that nice caramelization, 
okay? So I've got my boneless, skinless chicken breast here. Oh, one thing about chicken before we move on. I do not recommend that you wash your chicken. I know this is a big practice that a lot of people do at home. It creates a big opportunity for the juice from the chicken and potentially salmonella or other harmful bacteria to spray around your kitchen with the, with the water on and all around your sink. Unless, you know, some organic chicken sometimes comes with like um, a film or a liquid on it that might be unpleasant. Otherwise, you just want to make sure it's nice and dry with paper towels and you don't need to wash it, okay? So I've got my dried chicken here. You want to make sure it's nice and dry, like I said. My pan is preheating so I can go ahead and season my chicken now, right? I'm going to season with salt and pepper. I like to go from high above when you're seasoning to get a um, more even distribution. Katie, while I am heating up my skillet, should there be oil or a spray or something in it a while or should it be dry? Yes, sorry, no. Unless you're using a non-stick pan, which I only, well, I'm using cast iron, which is non-stick, but if you have like a Teflon pan, you cannot heat those up dry. So those, I'm not a huge fan of those pans. Um, so if you have like a Teflon pan, then yes, you would need some oil there, but otherwise, no, okay? Hot pan, cold oil, food will never stick. The oil's not really cold, but you put in the oil right before you put the protein in, okay? You don't heat up the oil. We don't wanna cook the oil. It's actually unhealthy to have the oil cook for a longer period of time. So we wanna avoid that. That was a very good question, Cass. Donna, did you have a question? Yes, uh, the cooking sprays. Same rules apply for cooking sprays? No cooking spray in a nonstick pan, especially. No, 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 okay. no, no. It will destroy your pans. Okay. Um, so I am using a grapeseed oil today. It has a high smoke point so that we can get the pan nice and hot for that caramelization to happen, okay? You're gonna use an olive oil, which has a lower smoke point. You wouldn't wanna do as high of a heat as I'm about to do. Um, but cooking spray in a saute pan, for me, I just don't see the need. So just like um, either olive oil or an oil with a nice lo uh, low smoke point, okay? okay? So now I've got my Greek seasoning here, my favorite spice blend ever. I've salt and peppered my chicken and I did not add salt and pepper to the spice blend so that you know how much salt is going on to each piece of your protein. So I'm gonna salt that nicely first, and then I'm going to be nice and liberal with my Greek spice blend. I like a lot of this flavor. It's gonna create some nice color on the outside of our chicken as well. Katie, could you read off what spices are in your spice blend? Because yes. we have some people who just listen to this as a podcast. Yes. So we have rosemary, garlic powder, onion powder, oregano, paprika, um, a tiny bit of nutmeg. I think it was like an eighth of teaspoon of nutmeg. And what else did I have in there? I might be missing one ingredient, but that's, that's the big one. 
Does anyone have it handy that they can read off the spice blend mix? And then we had a spice blend question from Catherine and a knife question from Catherine. Let me see if I can pull up the spice blend recipe really quick. Sorry about that, guys. Okay, so. And is this your own creation, this blend? Yes, it is. Okay. So the spice blend is two teaspoons of garlic powder, one teaspoon of onion powder, two teaspoons of dried basil, two teaspoons dried oregano, Greek specifically if you have it, if not um, Mexican or regular is fine. Two teaspoons of paprika, one teaspoon of dried rosemary, one teaspoon of dried dill, that's the one I forgot. Then a half a teaspoon of thyme and a quarter teaspoon of nutmeg. And everybody, whenever you can use um, fresh nutmeg that you can actually buy them in a little container, they're like little, looks like a nut or a little ball and you use your microplane to fresh grade that, I highly suggest that you do do that, okay? It's a lot better flavor. All right, so now I'm gonna bring you guys with me. Oh, someone asked, how do you keep your knife sharp? Very important question, okay? Um, I sharpen it regularly, but I hone it with a honing steel every time I use my knife. So when you sharpen the blade, you're actually making it jagged. The honing steel straightens it out. And this is what does a big, big difference um, when you're using it day to day. So I always use the honing steel every time I use my knife to keep that blade nice and straight, okay? So now my saute pan, I've got you over at the stove with me, okay? Got my cast iron pan, it's nice and hot here. Gonna turn that down just slightly. I'm going to add a little bit of my grapeseed oil to the pan. We're not frying here, so I just wanna coat the bottom lightly. Now you can see, or hopefully you can see, when the oil glides across the center of the pan, it kinda looks like paint drips, okay? That way you know that your pan is nice and hot. Now I just added the oil right beforehand because I don't wanna cook the oil, okay? Now I'm going season side down. Ooh. We wanna hear that applause from the pan, as I like to say. The pan's saying, good job, I'm sizzling. You heated me up nicely before we got started. And now I just wanna leave them be. I want them to caramelize. I don't want to move them around. Question. The thing here is whatever um, utensil you use or plate that you had the raw chicken on, that should go in the sink and you should get a whole new set for the cooked chicken. You don't want any cross-contamination, especially with poultry. So if you put the chicken in with tongs, 
then you either need to wash those tongs or get a new set when you take out the cooked chicken. So again, there's no cross-contamination. Did you have a question, Donna? Yes, ma'am. Um, you're using <coughs> grapeseed oil. Can you use grapeseed oil to make like schnitzels and things like that? Absolutely, absolutely. Okay. And it's more expensive, but it's, it's more heart healthy. So um, absolutely, I'm a huge fan of grapeseed oil. All right, so now when you wanna peek at your items, we're looking, you can kind of see around the edges. It's more opaque. Now you can peek, don't lift up the whole piece of chicken and flip it, all right? Just lift up a tiny piece and you can peek. So we've got gorgeous color and all these spices on the chicken are really coming to life. My pan looks a little dry, so I'm just gonna add a little bit more oil. So as we're cooking, we're always looking to see if we have enough fat, right? And now I'm gonna season the other side of my chicken with some more salt and pepper. And you can add some more seasoning here if you like, but I went nice and liberal on the first side, so that's gonna be good for me in terms of the spice blend. And if you're cooking on an electric stove, there normally is a hot spot. So sometimes it's nice to kind of rotate your pan around. Okay. We always want to make sure that our, our handles to our pans aren't sticking out into the kitchen, right? You walk away and someone else comes by, it can be very dangerous. So you always want to make sure that they're tucked into the sides. Um, sometimes the oven can get hot. So you always want to make sure You've got something to help grab your handle with so you don't burn your hands, okay? For anybody following in the Facebook Live, thank you, Susan Holt, our club member who just posted the recipe for your um, Greek seasoning blend. And I got to show you something real quick so you can tell. Oh, he just ran away. Spencer totally just came into the kitchen to, like, check out Rick, I the smell chicken. chicken. As as I like, smell chicken. Yep. Now, Katie, we had a question from Catherine about um, how to create seasoning blends. Catherine, do you want to ask your question? I, sorry, I just had to find the mute button. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm in New Zealand, but I'm originally from South Africa. Now, we use, uh, well, all South Africans use this type of blend of mixed spice that we can use on barbecue and all different types of things. Now, this is very expensive for us buying at the New Zealand because we can only buy it from South African shops and at about 10 times the price that comes from South Africa. What, uh, do you have any ideas of how we can make a different blend that's uh, more or less the same? Um, well, I'm sure it lists the ingredients on there, right? It does, but it doesn't say how, many, how much of the ingredients. It only gives you what's in there. Um, so I would play around with it. The ones to watch out for, and the benefit to making your own spice blend at home is controlling the salt or the sodium level, right? Because you're seasoning each item separately. 
seasoning that properly and then just adding those additional flavorings. So some, it is very beneficial and a lot more times inexpensive than buying the blends pre-made. So what I would do is whenever there's, um, you can pretty much do equal amounts of all the other herbs like um, basil, thyme, you can keep those pretty consistent. What I would do is start with small amounts, maybe a teaspoon of each to start. So you're not kind of creating this blend and then you've used the majority of your herbs up before you got the mix right. And then the ones I would hold back on and add super gently are things like onion and garlic, things that could be really overpowering. So I would say things like onion and garlic, maybe do a half a teaspoon of those strong ones. And then the other main herbs, go for it and do a teaspoon of each to start. So that's the way I would approach that blend that you have. Anything that's like basil, parsley, dill, thyme, do a teaspoon of each. And then anything that has the stronger flavor, like I said, the onion or the garlic, do a half a teaspoon and go from there. Is there anything super exotic in that mix? Only thing I see here is paprika, coriander, black pepper, celery, pimento. I don't know what that is. Cloves, nutmeg, wheat flour, flavoring, dried, uh, rasturized chilies, sugar, monosodium, glutamate, a flour enhancer, garlic powder, dried, radulized, radulized herbs, 0.16%. Thyme, sage, oregano, flavor enhancers. Uh, the flavor enhancers is only two numbers, E631 and E627. Yeah, see, there's a lot of sugar in there so that you could kind of judge um, if you wanted to maybe add a little brown sugar into your um, mixture, but I wouldn't let the brown sugar sit in there to start. I would add that kind of like you do with your salt and pepper when you're actually making the item. Um, so I would start with either a teaspoon or a half a teaspoon of each of those ingredients. You mentioned earlier pimento is probably pimentone, which I'll show you what that is. Pimentone is a Spanish smoked pepper. It's like paprika from Spain. So you could use a smoked paprika or you could find this Spanish pimentone, which I absolutely love. You can get it in hot or sweet, um, picante or dolce. And it's great on chicken. It's the main flavoring component to paella. So if you ever make paella at home, this is delicious. But this is like my go-to roast chicken, throw on some pimentone, salt and pepper, and it's in the oven. Okay, because I see it's got uh, both those items. It's got the uh, paprika and it's got the pimento. Yeah, so it's a different pepper, the pimentone, than regular paprika is. It actually comes from Spain. So there's a different flavor profile. Um, that's why I buy this one specifically. Um, but if you didn't have it, you could replace it with a smoked paprika. Thank you. Very that much. was that was a pretty amazing answer considering like that, like totally left field. That was awesome, Catherine, thank you. I <laughs> hope that there's anybody watching like that now they know like the secret to making their own blend. Okay, so I flipped my chicken because it's looking dark. 
What should I be oh, doing okay. here? And, and those spices on there are gonna deepen it. So you'll see my chicken breast here. So all those dried spices have come to life, right? They've been woken up by the heat and the oil and it's gonna be super flavorful. And we've got some nice brown caramelization on the outside here. This is all flavor, guys. So I can tell just by pressing on my chicken that it's giving me the perfect resistance that that's gonna be perfectly cooked through. So I think Cass had similar size chicken breasts to what I had had. Um, so I'm gonna put those off to the side. I'm gonna bring you guys back over to my station with me. Yeah, what should, I didn't use my meat thermometer. I have an old school one. Where should it be at 165? It should be at, um, if it's been resting for a little while, we want it to get to 165. So if it just came off and it's at 160, then you're golden. And we also want to check those potatoes. Let's check on our potatoes. Alrighty, guys. So look at my potatoes. So see the edges have gotten nice and crispy and golden brown, those little smush sides. The center we know is nice and cooked through. All those that oregano has been woken up. I can smell that lemon. Look at that golden brown, crispy, yet buttery. So good. All right, how are your potatoes doing, Cass? Oh, I'm trying to keep up. I'm pulling, I'm still working on the chicken. I'm, okay, cool. I was a vegetarian for like 10 years, so I'm never really comfortable with, like I always ever cook my meat, like I'm never sure about it. So I do the pool test, like I take a couple forks and see how easily it pulls. And I've never cooked chicken in the skillet like that, like whole breast. So this is exciting. This is all new to me. Awesome. And guys, what I love about searing chicken is you could really easily sear off a couple chicken breasts. And then if you have some white wine and some chicken stock, you can deglaze your pan with a little bit of white wine, quarter cup, scrape up any brown bits in the bottom of the pan. We want those, it's all flavor. Then add some chicken stock and let that reduce down and you've got a really quick, really fancy chicken breast with a pan sauce that's absolutely delicious. All right, so we talked about plating here. I've got my chicken breast now. If you're entertaining, Whenever you slice meat, you're going to lose moisture and you're going to lose heat, right? So as a personal chef, I wanna take into account if I'm deciding, do I wanna pre-slice my protein for them? Do I wanna slice up the steak? Do I wanna slice up the chicken for it to be plated? Um, you wanna think about travel time from the kitchen to dinner service, right? Are they eating outside? Is it chilly? Then I might want to leave the chicken breast whole so I don't lose any moisture or heat. Or if your chicken's a little overcooked, don't slice it yet. Retain all the moisture you can, okay? But I am going to slice my chicken breast today. Make it look nice. 
Okay, so, and we could do two things too with our plating, with our tzatziki. We could do a schmear of the tzatziki on the bottom of the plate, right? We eat with our eyes first. So we wanna make our plate, even when we're just cooking for ourselves, as appetizing as possible, right? So I'm gonna put a little bit of my tzatziki down. I'm just gonna take my spatula, kind of run it through that tzatziki, right? Give a little landing spot for my chicken to go. Got my chicken breast. I'm just gonna angle my knife and slice in on an angle and do some nice thin pieces of chicken. Now you also, just like any nice piece of steak, you wanna give your chicken time to rest so that when you slice into it, all the moisture doesn't run out. Okay, and I'm just gonna fan my chicken out onto my plate here. Then we can go over top with a little bit more tzatziki as well. And again, all of these bold flavors with our lemon cucumber tzatziki over top is gonna be a perfect complement. Then I'm gonna take some fresh sprigs of dill, put that right on top as well. You could garnish with some slices of lemon. I always like to garnish with components of the dish itself. So it's representative of the flavors that you're going to experience when you eat the dish, okay? Some lemon, then I'm gonna get my crispy potatoes here. I really love roasting veggies, guys. I feel like it brings out the best in everything. And you could use, like I said, some fresh lemon zest right over top of this, if you would like. Serving this up with a Greek salad would be awesome, right? Some feta cheese, some romaine some tomatoes, we've got our finished Greek spiced chicken with smashed lemon potatoes and cucumber dill tzatziki. All right, what do you guys think? Is this doable? I have a quick question for you. Something yes. I've, I've just picked up, sorry. You've just put that uh, done chicken on that wood board. Didn't you have the raw chicken on it earlier? No, I had the raw chicken on a separate plate. And I never put any raw protein on a wooden board. Okay. Always raw protein on plastic. Wood is porous, so it can soak in with to um, Catherine's point, right? Wood can soak in on the liquid and moisture from your raw protein and bacteria can grow. So I'll show you what I do. So 
proteins, I have different cutting boards. So yellow is for poultry, red is for red meats, blue is for fish, okay? So I only cut those proteins on those cutting boards specifically. Um, no raw proteins on wood ever. Also, like I said, with the tongs, like if you're using tongs to put the raw chicken in, you clean those. Um, I also had a plate underneath the raw chicken plate for the cooked chicken. Okay, you want to keep everything separate. A lot of people mess this up when they're grilling outdoors, right? Because you bring your plate out with your burgers out to the grill and you've got your tongs. Then you get it all in and then people don't switch out the plate and the tongs. So I've always got one plate with my raw stuff, one underneath it for the cooked and two sets of tongs, okay? Because cross-contamination can be very dangerous. So we always oh, yes. avoid that. Question. Sorry, I just had to ask that question. No, very good question. Oh, I'm glad you asked. I love seeing the, the different color cutting boards. That's so brilliant. <laughs> Go ahead, Go ahead Donna. Donna. Uh, Chef Kate, um, now can you use that same process for like say pork or fish or beef even? Absolutely, same exact technique. If you wanna get the sear on the outside, sear it on the stovetop and then finish it in a 400 degree oven. Now my cast iron pan that I had there, if I was doing a nice steak, I could sear the steak on one side flip it over and put the whole pan right in the oven. Stick my thermometer wow. in it and pull it out when it's done. But yes, okay. pork tenderloin, pork chops, um, fish, anything. Always have a 400 degree oven ready to go, sear it on the stovetop, finish it in the oven. I like that. I Does like anybody that. have any other last questions for Chef Katie before we wrap up? Yeah, just that uh, you're talking about the 400 degree oven. That is obviously in Fahrenheit or something. Yeah. Because my stuff is all marked in Celsius. Uh, my husband is from Holland and he's always converting the um, outside temperature for me. Let's see what it is in Celsius. And that's something you can always Google too. You can Google the temp conversions. You yeah. can Google. But yes, the... I am in Fahrenheit. So 204 degrees, 200 degrees Celsius. So a hot oven. Thank you very much. Chef Katie, thank you. I've got to show you this. I actually did this along with you. My plating could use some work. I had to, um, I did have to bring my husband in to test if the chicken was cooked because I did not trust myself. So I'll have to work on that with you. Nice work, good job. Thank you so much. I wanna see pictures. Our club members and our audience members, please send pictures when you cook this. Like Donna, I know you are gonna do all the cooking tomorrow because you were, yeah. and you said you were gonna ask questions and take notes tonight. That was amazing. Thank you everybody who joined us in our audience. Sarah Shore says, quote, eat with our eyes first. So true. Love that. And I feel like that is exactly what Chef Katie has been all about for us. Thank you. We've been so excited all month for you to join us on screen. I want to thank um, all of these club members who joined us and made this evening so special.
Donna, Rami Sargon, Maggie, Catherine Ann Voss, Erica Freema, and Georgette. Thank you for coming on with us. Um, Chef Katie, I'm going to come to you in a second so you can give us all your contact information and how we can find you. Great. I can tell you, um, my husband knows this, but like literally his birthday is in a couple weeks. So um, one of his birthday gifts is we're doing a private cooking class with Chef Katie over Zoom. And we have Ooh. decided he wants to learn how to really do seafood. So we want to do it and plating, if we can do plating and seafood in one. Awesome. Yeah, we're so excited. Thank you, everybody, for coming in. So um, big stuff happening. Thursday, we are announcing uh, all everybody that's coming up in every episode we have for April, who our April Sister of the Month is. Uh, Trans Tuesday next week, we will be showcasing our Sister of the Month. It will be aired for club members only, so there will be no live Trans Tuesday. However, um, you know, having Coach Anna Lantry from True Voice Lessons was such a powerful and dynamic class for us that she agreed to come back. We are going to be raffling off at the end of uh, the end of April three private lessons with True Voice Lessons. So mm -hmm. all those details, I'm going to be doing a special Facebook Live. If you're not following us on Facebook, you should. I'm going to be doing a Facebook Live on April 1st, giving all the details for this contest. This is a major raffle. And it's not just a one-person chance to win because we have three chances to win. Three people, and they can be club members. They can be anybody in our wider audience. If you want to work with one of the coaches, um, at True Voice Lessons, this is your chance to win a raffle and get that opportunity. So I'm going to send an email out Thursday with details. I'm going to do a special Facebook Live. Stay tuned to everything. There's going to be a special raffle chance. It doesn't cost you anything. There's a special way we're doing the raffle, and it's super exciting. So, yep, stay tuned, everybody. So excited for this announcement. Jeff, Katie, um, once again, if you wouldn't mind sharing your contact information and letting people know how they can work with you, that would be great. Absolutely, guys. So thank you so much for having me. Everyone was awesome. Um, so I do basically any sort of consultation that you want in the kitchen for your needs. I've done consultations on equipment if people are purchasing new equipment for their homes and classes from knife skills all the way to weekly meal planning. Also, if you have new dietary restrictions, I can help you sort of put together some fundamentals for your new lifestyle with food. Um, so if you have any ideas or questions, reach out to me and we can work out, um, how to best meet your needs. So my website is caitlinhiggins.com and I will put that into the chat right now. Um, and my Instagram is how, how to feed a wolf. My son's, my son's name is wolf. So it's at how to feed a wolf. Um, and I'll give you guys my number here too. If anybody wants to reach out to me directly to set anything up, feel free. All right, guys. Um, and I'm putting my email address too. If anyone has any questions on tonight's menu as you're cooking or anything comes up, um, let me know. And I'm gonna copy that out of our Zoom chat right now and paste it into our Facebook Live so that everybody has it. Thank you, Chef Katie, so much. All right, so stay tuned for this Thursday, April 1st, for the big announcement on how three people 
can win for free um, a chance for a private lesson with True Voice Lessons. And next Tuesday, we are unveiling and sharing the story of our April Sister of the Month. Thank you, everyone. We love you. Have a great night. And we'll see you soon. Thanks for having me. Never miss a single podcast by signing up for our newsletter at myfeminineheart.com.